Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. I want to speak on a subject that's close to my heart this morning. It may get a little bit uncomfortable for some of us uh, because uh, it may sound strong. And so I want to just give the preface and to set the the tone for this message, uh, which really is also my passion for our country. And so we're we're not too far from from National Day. Uh, But let's pray before we start. So Father, we pray this morning that that you will speak to us from your word. We ask God that uh, you will do a work so deep, Lord, that you will bring about, Lord, an awakening, Father, of our hearts. The Lord, whatever you do this morning, will spill over to our families, to our workplace, and Lord, to our country. We lift up Singapore to you. And Father, we thank you for speaking to us and through us, and Lord, for involving us in prayer, Father, in stopping and attack, Father. And so we thank you for that. We just give you praise, God, for, Lord, speaking to us, God, telling us again that truly we, we're supposed to be a prophetic pe- uh, a people, that, God, you are, you are speaking. And, Lord, if we, we will only hear, Father, that, God, you will just pray through us. We thank you for the power, Father. Give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was uh, driving to church this morning, and I had my Damascus Road experience. If you know the Bible in Acts chapter 9, Paul was on a donkey on, on his way to, to Damascus when he saw a bright light. He was thrown off his donkey and he was blinded. I was driving, coming in into the tunnel in MC when I saw a bright light. I was speeding. <laughs> but like the Apostle Paul, God spoke to me when I saw that flash of bright light. And he said that oftentimes in life we are cruising. Everything is comfortable, the road's smooth, and we're just enjoying our ride. And we forget that perhaps we're out of pace with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord spoke to me from the flash of bright light, and I pray that this morning this message would be like a Damascus Road experience for some of us. I believe that most of us are walking in revival. I believe that your hearts are fully alive and you are awakened to God's purpose. But perhaps there's a handful this morning that need this message. And I pray that uh, this word will speak to you and the rest of us who are fully alive, who are fully awakened to God's purpose and plan for your life, you will join me in praying for the rest of the church that need this word. I believe it's God's will for the church to walk in revival. I believe it's God's vision for every local church to be in full revival. I believe that God's plan for the believer is to be fully alive and for us to represent Him, not just within the four walls of this church, but where we are, in our homes, in our workplace, and in the world. I want to speak to you from Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And this is Habakkuk's prayer for revival. And, I, and we'll expound on this verse this morning, and then we will pray for revival at the end of my message. I entitled my talk this morning, A Prayer for Revival. So let's read these few verses. And if you're wondering who did this slides, yes, it's me. So you don't have to second guess. It's not Yao Sheng because he can do much better. So Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, is a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigionoth. Now, what is that word? Right, that word basically is a melody. It's a, it's a rhythm, I believe. And so, this strange word 
indicates that this beautiful heartfelt prayer for revival offered by the prophet uh, 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 probably around 600 BC was set to music. So the prophet prayed this prayer, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Let's read verse 2 together. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your, your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. I believe the prophet prayed for revival because revival was desperately needed. In the days of the prophet, God's people perhaps had become forgetful, overly formal and careless in their devotion and, and obedience to the Lord. Probably lost their testimony and God's name was no longer honored in the land and His kingdom was not being expanded. And I sense that these verses are, re- are relevant not just for our times, though I believe that they are, but perhaps also for our church, perhaps for our lives. Because our greatest need today is for spiritual revival. Friends, our greatest need is not for more meetings. I love gatherings, conferences, meetings, but can I suggest to you that our greatest need is not for more meetings, not, not for more, more money. I think Singapore's churches are flushed with cash. But not for more money or even for, for better methods. We've got blogs and we've got manuals that are coming out from amazing churches around the world, conferences teaching us how to run better churches, how to do things more effectively. But can I suggest to us that our greatest need is not for better methods. Our greatest need is for spiritual revival, for a fresh infusion of divine life into the the church for an awakening in the lives of God's people, for an outpouring of God's Spirit on the church, in our lives. And it's because of this reason that the prophet Habakkuk prayed. And so let's expound, let's unpack this verse, and let's apply this verse to our lives. The first thing we learn from this verse, in King James Version, we read uh, there's a word or a letter missing in King uh, in this in in NIV that's in King James. Oh Lord, Lord, oh Lord. All right. So, oh Lord, I've heard of your fame. Repeat them in our days, oh Lord. So the word oh express a deep felt longing for revival. This is this is the prophet's heartfelt prayer. It's a bit like you know us just bearing our soul before God and saying, God, how long? Oh Lord, when will you do a work in my days? Or when will you do uh, a breakthrough in my business? So there's a longing. Or when will you break into my family? So there's a, it's a heartfelt longing by the prophet for revival. The prophet prayed, I stand in awe of your deeds, oh Lord. An intense feeling. And my question to us this morning is, are we burdened like this? What's our reaction to the facts that are real, not just in the nation or in the churches that are down the road, but in this church, in my own personal life? This word, as I said, is like a bright light shining on me when I thought that we were just cruising. God is getting our attention. Friends, we are living on a very low level of Christian experience compared to the book of Acts, compared to the days of old. We live defeated and powerless and uh, lives that are, and we're often in bondage to self. My friends, because of that, I think we need revival. 
Our testimony in the world is frequently ineffective and very different from the testimony of the early Christians. Or even in the 1900s, in men that we admire, that we read about, that we have got such different testimonies. And that's why we, we need revival. We are occupied with petty things in the church, such as jealousy, squabbles, Barriers between Christian and unchristian, and often there's a lack of love amongst God's people. For this reason, friends, we need revival. We have no prayer meeting or poorly attended prayer meetings before. We love to be entertained by great music, by you know, wonderful multimedia. We love good programs, but when it comes to seeking God's face, poorly attended. That's why we, we need revival. We have few conversions. When was the last time we see people putting up their hands, receiving Jesus? When was the last time we share our faith to someone else and seeing them with tears in their eyes saying, I want to receive Christ into my life? Low conversions. That's why we need revival. Worldness has overtaken our lives, even my own personal life sometimes, and that's why we need revival. See the word, oh, the prophet. And I believe that some of us have been praying and said, God, this nation, this church, the body of Christ need to come fully alive. We need revival. The, the, the second point from this verse is that God is the author of revival. See, friends, we can't plan for a revival. How I wish we can uh, have 10 steps to revival. How I wish we can have a pattern where we just say, we, if we do one, two, three, and four, five, six, if we, if we just organize, strategize, there will be revival in the body of Christ. But that's not, not how it works. God is the author of revival. Habakkuk's prayer was rightly directed to the Lord. Not to better systems, not to consultants, not to uh, strategies, but to the Lord because revival comes from heaven. It's from God. It cannot be worked up. It needs to be prayed down. Amen. It's not man's doing but God. And God in His mercy sends revival to His people and through His people to touch the world. My friends, effective organization do not produce revival. Only God can. Only God can. God is the author of revival. And this morning, we need to acknowledge Him as the author of revival and say, God, send revival like the days of Habakkuk, like the days of Acts, like the days of John Wesley, like the days of, uh, of Wigglesworth, like the days of old. Send revival. The third lesson we learn from this text is that revival begins in me. Not the person next to you, not the person behind you, not the church down the road, not the pastor, not the worship team. Revival begins in the pews, begins with you, begins with me. The words, I, I have heard of your fame, I stand in awe. See friends, it is when a believer gets alone in God's presence, when he hears his voice, when he trembles at his word, when Habakkuk had this, when, and, and that's, when, that's where revival starts. Habakkuk, in fact, did that. In chapter 2, if you read verses 1 to 3, he was all alone in God's presence and that's where I believe he experienced the, uh, what the psalmist mentioned in Psalm 85, verse 6 to verse 9. So let's have a look at these verses. And this is what the psalmist again prayed. I believe it resonated in the heart of Habakkuk the prophet and that's what 
And that's what it says in this verse. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant to us your salvation. I will listen to what the Lord, uh, the God, the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants, but let not them turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, and his glory may dwell in the land. Isn't that our prayer? That his glory may dwell in our land. Surely, God, will you revive us again? So often, friends, we rush into God's presence. We rush through services and we ask God for stuff. We ask God to bless our children, bless my marriage, bless you know, my business, bless my day. And that we, have not, that we didn't slow down enough to hear God's heart for the land, to hear God's heart for His body, to hear God's heart for our lives. And, and, and to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, I want to revive my people again. This also tells me that one person can open a door for the Lord to come in and to revive His church. It, it, it doesn't take a whole body. It doesn't take an entire church. It, it doesn't take 100,000 people. It doesn't take a million people. If you study revival history, it always starts with one and a handful. Right? It, it, it's always a, a, a few good men. It's always a group of people, oftentimes young, that are apprehended by the presence of God. They will shut themselves and they will gather together and sing, God, we cannot go on church as usual. We love the programs. We love the fellowship. We love the food. We, uh, we love the media. We love the decor. But something is missing. Your presence, your, the hunger and the passion for Jesus. And they shut themselves in and they prayed. And that's where God hears their prayer and sense revival. And this is the story of the church. This is how it looks like. This is the same storyline from the book of Acts. 120 people in the upper room, God sends revival. Yes? The Moravians, a small handful, shut themselves in and prayed and God started a hundred years revival. What about in Wales when Evan Roberts and just a handful of teenagers, 19 years or early 20s, You know, Robert said to, to, to the pastor, can you keep the whole church back? And the pastor said, well, I can't. Those who want to stay back, stay back. You know, because he, wants, he has got a word from the Lord. He wants to talk to the people. And only 12, if I'm not wrong, stayed behind all teenagers and a few people in that early 20s. And Evan Roberts cast a vision for revival. And that's where, that's where it all started. A few good men. What about in Singapore? It's the same. We enjoy the fruit of the charismatic renewal today. Many of our ministers were touched during that awakening, the charismatic renewal in the 70s. It all started with a, with a few good boys in a few schools. That's, a, that's how it started. Now we are all enjoying the fruit. But can there be a prayer in our heart saying, God, you've done it before. You will do it again. In Singapore, especially in the next 50 years, the first revival in Singapore sustained us for 50 years. We need another greater wave to bring us into our 100th year. Amen. Let's, let's not just eat the fruit and neglect the seed. Let's you know, sow seeds of revival again and say, God, you can do even greater things. Amen. Even greater works. It starts with one. It starts with, with a few. 
And God's not into big numbers. He's looking for just a handful of people who will say, yes, Lord, I'll shut myself in. I'll gather with a few. I'll contend with you until you move in our school, in our home, in our workplace, in our small group, in this church. You know, it has been discouraging when we try to gather people for prayer and a small handful show up. But perhaps I should not be discouraged. That's how it works. As much as I want to involve everybody, but perhaps God's method is just a few good men saying, Jesus, we will say yes and we shut ourselves in and we will pray until something happens. But as the heart of a pastor, that's, this is what I want to say. I want all of us to get this this morning. That is God's will to move powerfully through our lives. Amen. Number four. I believe the words revive your works in King James Version unveil the true nature of revival. Next slide, please. I believe revival is for the church. Oftentimes we think that revival is for our unsafe friends. But you have to understand that, that, that the prophet did not pray, Lord, deal with the heathen and save them. He, he, he didn't pray, Lord, deal with uh, the LGBTs and save them. God, deal with uh, the parent, uh, with, with you know, all the haters of the faith and save them. No, the prophet did not pray, God, deal with the heathens. The prophet prayed, revive your work, put your people right. Start with us. Start in the church. See, many Christians confuse revival with the work of evangelism. See, revival includes evangelism, but evangelism does not necessarily include revival. You have to understand that evangelism, which is great, which is what I want to see more in this church, includes organization. We need to publicize. We need, we need to have teamwork, media. We need to you know, just go around, tell people about this conference or this speaker. Now, we need to evangelize. And we've got many tools for evangelism. But why isn't the world evangelized? Can I suggest to us that the, perhaps the reason is because for evangelism to be effective, God's people must be revived. That for life to flow out from under the threshold of the temple, there must first be water in the temple. Amen. That if we are to touch the world, we must first of all be full. We can't give up what we don't have. Evangelism is great. But we need revival in the church before we can see evangelization of the world. Amen. Number five. I believe this passage speaks about the timing of revival. That now is the time for revival. It's not tomorrow. It's not one year down the road. It's not when we can gather 120. Now is the time. In the midst of your years. In the midst of your years. Lord, remember mercy. In the midst of our years. See, Habakkuk repeats these words in his, in, his, in his press, in the midst of your years. So what exactly is the significance? I believe the prophet, man, Lord, revive your work now. We are so in need, we're desperate. We want it not tomorrow. We can't live another day without your life, without your spirit. We need it today. We can't live another day without you. Sounds like some love song, but that's what, you know, the prophet was, was praying. That's the heart behind what he was, uh, what be, that was the heart behind his prayer. He's saying, God, revival today, today. And that's why in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, the Bible says, 
if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. See, revival is conditional. It's only when we pray. It doesn't depend on the person next to us. When my people who are called by my name, and when we pray, not tomorrow, today, I will hear. I will hear. Number six. I believe God reveals Himself in revival. In your, God makes known His ways in revival. Let's go back to the verse, the first slide. It says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. Make what known? Make your ways known. Make yourself known. I believe in revival, He makes known His majesty. He makes known His glory, His holiness. Like what Isaiah experienced in Isaiah chapter 6, when God's, uh, when God's glory passed him by, he saw the, the majesty of God. Or like what Moses experienced when he was in the cleft of the rock and God's goodness passed him by. So in revival, God makes known His character. Amen. In this church, I believe in revival, he, he makes known our weaknesses, our need of Him, our own failure. And so it's okay if sometimes when God's presence comes and you feel like, God, I am disqualified. See, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. God receives us the way we are. But in revival, He makes known to us our failings. So He can fill us up. He can cleanse us. He can renew us. He can revive us. I believe in revival, He makes known His power. Like Acts chapter 2, when many of the revival, when Holy Spirit came and uh, when the church is fully empowered, the least of, of us children seeing the sick being healed, seeing uh, God's power revealed. I believe that's what God is looking for. That there's no, uh, that, 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 that there's no disparity between the young and the old, that all of us can share in the fruit of revival. But God makes known His power. See, when revival comes, God reveals Himself. For revival is a, re a revelation of the Lord Himself. And the result is a tremendous consciousness of God's presence. Because God shows up. God shows up. In your wrath, remember mercy. In our day, make yourself known. The last point be before I close and pray. He says, in wrath, remember mercy. Suggest to us the true motive for revival. See, God had been punishing the Chaldeans and chastening his own people. But when the prophet prayed that he would reveal his mercy to show the other side of his nature. See, friends, you have to understand, God hates and God punishes sin, but he loves the sinner. And the reason why he sends revival is so that his mercy can be known. It's so that people can have an encounter with the God of love. And that is the reason for revival. My heart is burning this morning because the more I travel, the more I'm grateful for the blessings of God on this nation. In the last 50 years, He has done amazing things. Don't you agree? The prosperity that we enjoy it's not a work of men. I've been to places where there aren't, where they are full, where they, where they've got all kinds of natural resources, but 
weak leaders that corrupt and, and destroy the whole nation. And God blessed us with good leaders. You have to understand that it is not our own doing. It's the Lord blessing and breathing into this nation. So I'm thankful. But as I travel, I'm also concerned for the future of our nation. Why? Because we seem indifferent towards the things of, of God. We, our churches are full, but we're playing more games than we are seeking God. We're spending so much money on what we think is important when you know, we've lost sight of uh, what is important to the Lord. When you go to Africa, you find a little hut and there we've got 100 and 200 Christians cramming with no AC and they're sweating with their, their, and, 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 and sweat was coming down their brow and there was so much joy. They were dancing and rejoicing over the fact that they have got a roof over their head. Praising God for running water and they're just saying, God, you've been so good to us. And in this nation, we're complaining for what we, for the little things that we don't have. So I'm concerned. I'm concerned for the next generation. I'm concerned for even the adults here who grew up in prosperity and we lose sight of what is important. I'm concerned for the body of Christ that are always comparing who has got a nicer building, who has got you know, m- more programs on TV, who has got a bigger church. And I'm saying to myself, what about that contending for the next move of God in this nation? What about bringing the next flow of the Holy Spirit? You have to understand, I believe that revival hasn't stopped. It started 2,000 years ago. It's just the ebb and flow. But perhaps our prayer can say, God, bring in another wave, a stronger wave, and that all of us are ready with our surfboard to ride the wave of the next move of God in this nation. Then to be taken up with, we're so busy with our lives. I'm concerned, friends. So you might say, Daniel, you're, you're overthinking. No, my top five strengths, futuristic. I mean, I'm seeing a future that potentially, you know, could, we will have like huge congregations, but lack of the power thereof. And my, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned, as I'm pastoring this church, a few of you have heard my plea and said, I don't know how to do it, God. I love the energy in the young. I love the passion, you know, with the young adults. But God, I want the whole church to be fully alive. I want us to embrace His call and to say yes to His assignment and not just going through life in our daily grind. Amen. So as we talk about National Day, let's talk about revival, that God has a plan for every young person, for every old person, for the singles, for the married, that our families can be in revival, our homes can be in revival, we can bring revival to our school, we can bring revival to our workplace, and that God's presence can be tangibly felt in our lives, in our family, and through this church. Every Sunday... God is waiting for us to show up because He can't wait to pour Himself out. Can you imagine if if that's our expectation? Then we wouldn't be late for service because we'll be afraid to miss out. If God shows up in the first song and says, yeah, I miss it when the King of Kings walk in. But why are we late? Because there's no expectation. 
that the King of Glory want to come into His temple. In revival, there's a long line. Do you know why? Because they can't find seats. And it's not because they want to just be, uh, they want to have a seat. They don't want to miss out on the revelation or on that experience or on the encounter. And that's missing in our lives, in my life. So we, we have that ministry, right? Going on, we've got money, we've got gatherings. But what about that expectation for a fresh move of the Spirit? When we have that as our vision, when we have got Jesus before us and saying, Jesus is about you, your bride, your kingdom, then we won't have time squabbling, comparing, competing, complaining, fighting in our homes. We won't have time. Joy and I, we've got intense discussions about different things, but we don't fight at, at, at home because we realize that there are more important things in life in the kingdom than squabbling over whether can my kid pass PSLE, what tuition to go for, what course. These are all important things. Parents, don't, don't, don't get me wrong, but when your vision is Jesus, when your passion is the kingdom, these things don't matter. I'm more excited when Maribeth, and I'm closing, right? But when, Mar- when Maribeth came home one day and she was telling me this story and I'll share it, alright? So don't be em- embarrassed because that touched my life and that's what stopped a fresh passion in my heart. She was, and also I u- usually ask, is there something interesting in your school that happened uh, today? Like all parents will, right? Par- right? So ask something interesting and uh, so usually they will say no. But that particular evening, Maribel said, uh, I was talking to my friend about the gospel. I said, wow, Mary Beth, yay. So I said, tell me more. And so she said, they were in this you know, class, I think there was a, a quiz going on or some assessment in preparation for PSLE test, right, test. And uh, so they were having a conversation. And the friend said, I'm so scared of ghosts. It's a boy, all right? I'm so scared of ghosts. And so, and um, um, and my daughter said, I'm not scared of ghosts. And so he was very amused and said, you're not scared of ghosts? And she said, no. And he said, why? And she said, because I've got God in my life. Jesus is in my heart. And so this boy said to, to Mary Beth, uh, are you saying that Adam and Eve is God? And so she almost choked. And she, ah! and she said, no. Adam and Eve is not God. Jesus is God. And so and they spent the whole test talking about the Bible. And so in the little... And the teacher kept saying, shh, shh, shh. And, and the boy kept asking questions, kept asking questions. And she, you know, kept trying to answer those questions in the limited Bible knowledge that, that she had. So as she was telling me the story, I was saying to myself, well, it's really okay, all right? Even if you get the facts wrong, the essence, the, the, the motivation that is right. And so it came to the point where she told the boy about the cross and how Jesus was dying on the cross, you know, and... Uh, so that, this is why she got it wrong a little bit. So uh, she was so Christ was not on the cross, two nails. But then she said to the boy, "But the feet dangling." So I said, "No, it's wrong. There are three nails. Three nails." And I said, "It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's hilarious." And then she said, 
And, you know, and then she said, you know, I, and that, that was when she was tearing up as she was remembering the cross. And the boy was also very moved. And the boy said, when I grow up, I want to be a Christian. And she said, why not now? And the boy said, because my parents, uh, my parents said, I cannot be a Christian. I'm a Buddhist. And so Maribeth said, it's really okay. <laughs> something, like, something like that. But as she was telling the story, my mind went back to when I was 13 years old. I wasn't even a believer yet. And I was in my school, Anglican High School, and it was Teacher's Day, I believe. And there was a band playing, Sec 4, I was Sec 1, right? And they were playing to the song, We Are The Reason. And in those days, you've got the Jesus film. And, and Christ wasn't that bloody in those days, right? Before the Passion. So, but just a few... But when I saw the man hang on the cross and the song goes, we are the reason that he gave his life. I couldn't help it, but I was tearing up. And all these memories started coming back. And I said to myself, you know, I said, Daniel, may you never forget the reason why you are doing what you are doing. The reason why you are in ministry, why you are doing, you know, the different foundation and the giving and this is because of the cross. Where would I be when, uh, if, if Jesus didn't come into my life at 15 years old? I, I'll be pr- probably successful. I may be in business. You know, I, you know, I may be in a big house with a big car, but I won't have Jesus. And, and, and I started hearing, and I said, may I never forget that the reason why I'm doing is Jesus. And may, and may my heart always be alive to Christ and His work in my life. Amen. And, and, and that's what I, want, I want, want to say to all of us. Life gets complicated. Ministry becomes a profession. We're involved in our vocation of leading worship and preaching and having... But may we never forget the cross of Jesus Christ. In your day, revive your works. Restore the power of the cross in my life, in this church, in our household. When there's a fight, look to the cross. It is for peace that He has, that He died for us. It is for us to be together. When there's disagreement, when there, look to the cross. Revive your work in our days. Amen. And some of you perhaps need to be reminded. You have been, you know, you have been caught up with whatever has been happening in the world, and you have been thinking, and you've been overthinking, and you forget that, you know, and that's and that's why Paul says, I will not let anyone rob me from the simplicity of my devotion to Christ. And this is the apostle who was planting churches, who was writing letters, and who was productive and busy and getting the work of the kingdom forward and progressing. He says, I will not anything. In my life, rob me from the simplicity of my devotion to Jesus. That's revival. And that is revival. Speak softly, please, Mel. I believe in evangelism. I believe in church growth. I believe in having ministry, branding, websites. But these are all a part of the core of why we do what we do. Amen is Jesus. It's a heart that's fully alive to His love, fully alive to His reality in our lives. Amen. 
So how do we apply this verse to our lives? Have you been squabbling and just fighting over little things? Lift up your eyes and see the cross. See the work of the cross. And allow God to revive your love, revive your passion for Jesus this morning. Have have you been caught up with uh, just work and you neglect your devotion to Christ? I'm not talking about just reading the Bible and these are all part of, again, but your devotion. Are you devoted? Uh, Do you love Him? When when, when, When I say the cross and when I describe to you the picture of Calvary, do you tear up? Because if you don't, then I wonder, have we become numb to the work of Christ in our lives? When I describe first love, do you long to experience the romance with the King that, that, that was there when you say yes to Jesus when there was nothing in your life? That's revival. I'm not talking about, wow, queue up, you know, busy, busy. Sometimes the revival gets killed because it becomes an event. Right? Come on, all those who, are, who understand what I'm saying. It, 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 it gets killed. When, when we start to organize a revival, it doesn't work like that. It's when believers are fully alive, when the band is in the river of the Spirit, when, you know, we are all just doing it unto the Lord because we love Him and we adore Him and we remember His love towards us. And when there's an overflow of passion, that's revival. And the nation needs revival. Only more professional Christians, I tell you, need simple, childlike believers who just say, God, just use my life. Amen. Let's all stand. I believe God speaks.